0: Women's Health Melbourne is a boutique, specialist fertility and women's health practice, caring for women at all life stages. We're proud to provide world-class, holistic medical care, including IVF and a range of other fertility treatments. We provide our patients with every opportunity to achieve their goals. Our two Melbourne locations are in Fitzroy and
1: our new state-of-the-art Caulfield practice reach us at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au and you can follow both Women's Health Melbourne and Dr. Raylia Lu on the socials. Welcome to Knocked Up, a podcast about fertility, pregnancy and women's health. I'm your host, Geordie Morrison, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Raylia Lu. CREI fertility specialist, gynecologist,
0: and director of Women's Health Melbourne. If you're enjoying the show, we'd love it if you left us a review and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Many people are affected by infertility. If you know someone who might benefit from listening to Knocked Up, send them a link. This is our passion project. We're not professional podcasters. We
1: do it to support and empower women with evidence-based information to cut through the noise of Google and the well-meaning advice that others may give.
0: Email any questions to podcast at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. We'd love to hear from you and this episode is a listener request.
1: It is. And I've got the same question as the listener. What is MTHFR? Yeah, so what does it look like to you, Jodie? Well, it looks like something that we can't say. I would have to put an explicit sign next to our podcast.
0: Yeah, well, that's the, you know, the mother bleeper gene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what people call it online. So that's what it's called? Well, no, not officially. <laughs> um, so MTHFR stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. It is a gene and it codes for that particular enzyme. So
1: in this scenario, maybe it's worth knowing what a gene is? Yeah, sure. So let's
0: break it down. So we are what we call a multicellular organism, meaning that our body is made of lots and lots of cells. And in the control centre of our cell is a nucleus of every cell. Not every cell. Some cells don't have one, like red blood cells, but most cells do and in the nucleus are the chromosomes which are the structures that we have that are kind of like the instruction manual for the cell and they're made of DNA and the DNA when you unravel it is made of little units called genes and each gene is a little page in the instruction manual telling the body how to make something often a protein and that is basically how our body works by following the instruction manual making these proteins which give messages to our cells, telling them what to do and how to function. So what does the MTHFR gene do? Well, it makes MTHFR. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Clever>. So <laughs>
0: MTHFR is an enzyme. And what an enzyme is, um, oh, by the way, just as a little aside, when I when I did an interview at Monash in 1998, I think it was, and go, yeah, it must have been... To get into medical school, they asked me to break down what an enzyme was to, a, a, to like an a LA lay description of, of how it works. Well, now you can give me So I can, I can give you the same answer that I gave you when I was 18 years old. Well, it worked old. back then,
1: didn't it? <laughs> Got you into uni.
0: <laughs> so anyway, so what an enzyme is, it's a protein. So the official answer is it's a protein that catalyzes a chemical reaction. What it means in in reality is it's a protein that changes shape and causes a downstream chemical change. And in terms of what I said in, um, they, gave, they asked me to give an example in my medical interview, and I was talking about how, you know, proteins change shape. It's like, for example, when ice cream melts, that's a reaction, and heat would be the thing that made it happen. So think about it like the MTHFR gene is an enzyme, and it causes uh, the reduction, which is a chemical term, in a molecule that related to folate. Ah, we hear a lot about folate and pregnancy. Yeah, everyone's on folate because that's what we need you to do. We need you to take lots of folate when you're trying to conceive for lots of reasons, and this is one of them. So what this enzyme does is it's an important element in the folate metabolic pathway, and it helps our bodies to regulate the levels in our blood of a special amino acid called homocysteine. We all need folate to survive. Yes, so why are we told to take folate? Well, it's a a very important building block for dividing cells. And particularly, uh, for some people, it's more important than others. And that's where these kind of MTHFR gene types comes into it. When you have folate and you've got plenty of it, just everything in the cells and the instruction manual, you know, kind of being carried out, it's more likely to do everything right and things especially to do with the spinal cord forming and doing everything right. The spinal cord starts as a a flat structure and then it curves around to become a tube and it has to fuse. And when you don't have enough folate, it's a risk factor for that not happening properly. And things like spina bifida, which you might've heard of where the Mm. spinal cord in a baby doesn't fully fuse, that can be something that happens more commonly in someone who's folate deficient. So anyone who's ever had that happened to a baby, whether they were taking folate or not, in another pregnancy would be given really high-dose folate. And the other people we give really high-dose folate are women who are taking drugs that put them at risk of not having enough folate despite taking a normal supplement. So women, for example, with epilepsy or on medication for epilepsy would be asked to take a really high-dose folate, or women with bad diabetes would be asked to take a high-dose high, um, folate. So it's a gene
1: mutation, you mentioned.
0: Well, yes, it is. So MTHFR is a gene and it's a protein. There are different varieties of this gene in our population. And an example I give when I talk to patients about it is like eye colour because patients understand that you can have brown eyes and you can have blue eyes, you can have green eyes, you can have hazel eyes, and they all work okay And there are subtle differences in the function of these different types of eyes without any of them being a real disease. And then there are people who are blind and it's got nothing to do with their eye colour, right? So if you really don't have any function of the MTHFR gene and it doesn't work, it's a really bad disease that has onset in childhood. So I can talk to you a little bit about that later but we all have different varieties in, in lots of our genes. And in its original working form, a gene is called a wild type. That's just a scientific name for the gene as it should work. Mm-hmm. In uh, the process of us just having genetic diversity as a population, we have to, you know, and when we photocopy kind of our genes to pass them on to our children, we make copies of them. And in the copying, we might make a spelling mistake and that's called a mutation. And lots of these spelling mistakes don't mean that the gene doesn't work. It's just a little tiny difference. And that's how things like blue eyes and brown eyes came up. That You know, when passing down the brown IG, which is the original, someone made a spelling mistake and the result was blue eyes. And then often there are selective pressures. So, for example, blue eyes... The reason we have them in our population is we think they're pretty. We like the look of them. So, you know, that was a selective advantage for blue eyes. They're actually not quite as good as brown eyes in terms yes, of... Yes, apparently we're defective if we've got them. Well, we're more likely to get things like cataracts as we age if we have blue eyes compared to brown yeah. eyes. They're not quite as good at filtering light, even though we think they're quite pretty. Not that brown eyes aren't pretty. You very pretty brown eyes. But... <laughs> um, But what I'm trying to say is it's not necessarily, it's a slight weakness to have blue eyes, but it's not like a deal breaker. Yeah. And the MTHFR gene polymorphisms are like that too. Okay. So think of it as a risk factor rather than as a disease. So it's a risk factor with blue eyes that you might get cataracts. Mm -hmm. Anyone can get a cataract, but you've got a risk factor because your eyes are blue. Yeah. MTHFR polymorphisms are like that, that in the context of all of your other genes as well, because no gene acts by itself, it's a risk factor for certain things going wrong. And it's an interesting one because there are things you can do to make that risk factor less important. And one of them is taking enough folate. Uh, So that's really important. And just like, for example, for blue eyes, you know, that's a risk factor. One thing you can do is put on sunglasses. When you go out on a bright day and that will reduce your risk of getting cataracts in the long term. So it's interesting and it's something that we've only actually been a little bit more aware of since the 1990s which is when this gene was mapped. Okay. So it's not something we've known about for that long. So what happens if a person
1: has the MTHFR gene and it doesn't do what it's meant to do?
0: Well like you mean like they've got the real kind of issue. So if they've got the real issue, it's a disease called homocysteine urea, uh, which is a big word, but it's basically a disease that presents very early on in a person's life. Mm-hmm. And it affects children whose MTHFR genes have really serious mutations, meaning the enzyme malfunctions badly. And uh, they have, among other problems, things like neurodevelopmental problems, but also a higher risk of stroke and blood clots. And this is a severe metabolic disease. It's got recessive inheritance, meaning that if you have even one good copy, you don't have the disease. You need two completely non-working copies of the gene to have this problem. And having just one good copy, either the wild type or one of the polymorphisms, which is what people are sometimes tested for, is enough to stop a person from having homocysteine urea. It's a phenomenon that we call haplotype sufficiency, meaning that just one good copy of the gene is enough. And we all have recessive Mm. conditions that we carry that we have no idea that we have. That's why if you have a a listen back to the episode that we did on genetic screening, like people who have a family history of things like cystic fibrosis, for example... Um, are rare in terms of, you know, babies born with cystic fibrosis. Most people who have a baby with cystic fibrosis have no idea that they had that in their family or in themselves. So a lot of recessive diseases uh, are what we call haplotype sufficiency, meaning that just one good copy is enough for you to be completely healthy and normal. And if you have two bad copies, then you're in trouble. And um, and so that's really what the situation is with this condition. So when the kind of polymorphisms were discovered in the MTHFR gene, scientists and doctors hypothesised that maybe some of the issues suffered by people who have homocysteine urea might also affect people in a milder form with MTHFR polymorphisms. But, you know, since the 90s, the gene types have been widely, widely studied across lots of areas of medicine, not just fertility. And we've learned a lot about it, and we now appreciate that they don't cause disease, but they can be thought of as a risk factor. Okay. Yeah, especially for women who don't take folate or who don't absorb folate. So, when you're saying taking folate, this is a tablet a day, isn't it? It's yeah, so exactly. And most antenatal vitamins will have either 400 or 500 mics of folate micrograms, yeah. yeah. And so, it might say MCG on the, mm-hmm. on the bottle. Uh, or folinic acid, which is methylated folate. So Mm -hmm. it's very similar, just a little step down in the enzyme pathway. And just 400 micrograms a day is enough to stabilise the enzyme of MTHFR and make the polymorphism, so if a woman has a polymorphism, which is not the wild type but some of the other types, work just as well as the wild type form. So taking the folate actually helps strengthen the action of the mthfr gene and that's like a therapy so it's super important as um you know regardless of what your genotype is of mthfr it's really important to take supplemental folate when you're trying to get pregnant because you have to eat basically like
1: enormous of spinach
0: spinach a day exactly Mm -hmm. to get the same amount of folate that you'll get in one little tablet and it's especially important for women who have the mthfr polymorphisms because they have the risk factor so they definitely need the folate and it's not just a matter of taking it here, there and, you know, when, when been you remember. Consistent. It's has consistent. You've got to be consistent. And I think that's the only real value of doing the test is to, you know, make sure that people are consistent. If we could say every woman who is pregnant is going to take the right amount of folate every single day, well, really you don't need to do the MTHFR test on anybody because yes. uh, you'll be treating the problem without diagnosing it. What are polymorphisms? So the polymorphisms for the MTHFR gene, or in general, what's a polymorphism? I
1: think in general, and then what they are for the... Yeah, so
0: it's like what we were talking about. So like brown yeah. eyes and blue eyes are that's, two different that's polymorphisms. That's the polymorphism. Exactly. So they, they work okay, they're a little bit different, one might be stronger, one might be weaker, but they're, you know, poly means many, Yes. and morph is, you know, from the word for shape. So many shapes, many different types of the same thing. What's yeah. the polymorphisms of MTH? F-R. F-R. <laughs> so so um, the wild type has a gene name which is 677CC uh, yes. or 1298AA depending on the nomenclature. Right, but we don't um, really need to worry about yeah, that. So poly- well, you kind of do if you want to you know got what it. the polymorphisms are because okay. like, they're not called blue eyes, brown eyes, they're called that. Yep. So that's a wild type. Okay. And then there is a variation on the wild type which is C677T and that's otherwise known as 818. Two, nine, eight C. <laughs> um, so, so they're the two polymorphisms and they are DNA changes, and they are very common in our population and they exist both in fertile women and in non-fertile uh, women mm-hmm. and they all work okay, but the wild type works a bit better Okay. and the polymorphisms work about 40% less well compared to the wild type of the gene. Okay. But, you know, it's like saying... If you have me and Cathy Freeman, for those of you in the audience who remember Cathy Freeman, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. very, very, very impressive Olympian for Australia in the 2000 Olympic Games, she runs very, very fast, all as she did then. So if you had me lining up against Cathy Freeman to run a race, I could finish the 100 metres without, without you know, keeling over and dying, but she would finish it way before me. So think of a polymorphism like that. It's still okay. It's yes. just not amazing. And in terms of um, polymorphisms, we think that they spread in the population for a reason. So I was like, going to ask if they're in yeah. particular population. Yeah, they are actually. So we think they started in the southern Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And we think that that was because maybe people who carry them might be slightly protected against catching malaria. What yeah. would the connection be? Well, that people who had the polymorphism were less likely to die in an area where there was lots of malaria. So it's like survival of the fittest. Okay. So that's the survival advantage. And we find that that actually is a common thread for quite a few different uh, genes. Mm -hmm. So for example, sickle cell anemia, similar in Africa. So if you have sickle cell disease, uh, then it's a terrible disease. But if you carry only one copy of the sickle cell gene, then you're better at surviving malaria. Mm. so that became a recessive condition that was common in Africa. Okay. And then there's thalassemia, which is similar, also in southern Mediterranean, that it's an advantage for malaria. So uh, what we can take from that is malaria was a pretty common and pretty serious problem, uh, and those, it still is, by the way. Yes. We just have good drugs now. Yeah. But um, at that time, having this change was actually advantageous for a reason. We think cystic fibrosis is the same, by the way. We think that... When um, you are a carrier, not affected, but if you're a carrier, you're less likely to catch cholera. Ah, oh,
1: okay. So, or,
0: or you're more likely to survive it if you catch it. Yes. So, so that's why it exists. So yeah. that's why these things kind of make their way into our population. So that's kind of the explanation as to to why the why. Uh, but in terms of the take-home message, it's remember to take your folate because if you are taking folate... Uh, then, you know, and your folate status is what we call replete, you're absorbing it well and you've got plenty, then you don't have to worry about your MTHFR gene status uh, but if you have had a miscarriage or you've had a few miscarriages and one of the things that your doctor's done is looked into your MTHFR gene status and found out that you have a polymorphism, then for you it's extra important to take your folate. Mm. And you don't want it to be just taken every you know, five days. You want to take it every, every single day. day. Exactly. Because if your folate status is low, then having the polymorphism may end up being a serious risk factor for disease. And also there are some people who don't absorb folate so well and sometimes you can be advised to switch to methylated folate, which is otherwise known as folinic acid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's another way of doing it. And for those of our listeners out there who may have trouble swallowing big tablets, which I think is a problem because I think in our market... A lot of pregnancy multivitamins are sold as essential and actually a lot of the ingredients of the multi are non-essential. You can get lots of vitamins from, you know, fresh fruit and veg and you don't have to take every vitamin in a multi. But folate you definitely need to take in a, in a vitamin. So you can actually get folate or folinic acid for that matter in a much smaller tablet with just folate in it. There's a couple on the market. I don't want to spook any particular brand, but go into a pharmacy and ask. Mm -hmm. And if you say... I would, I really, it's really important to me to take my folate, but I can't swallow big tablets. Then talk to the pharmacist and they'll be able to show you little tablets with just folate and maybe a little bit of iodine in it without all the other stuff. You could go to a compounding pharmacy and they could also make it for you. Of course, and folinic acid, you know, there are a few off the shelf preparations or you can compound it. Sometimes you might be prescribed something else and we can compound things together to, you know, make life easier in terms of taking one tablet a day. But in terms of, You don't need to get that compounded. You can buy it over the counter. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Demystifying the MTHFR. Who knew? Without swearing. Without swearing. On the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you're welcome to swear at home when you say it. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's episode of Knocked Up about the MTC.
0: MTHFR. (laughs) I don't know why I can't get it right.
1: If you'd like to know more about it, there's actually an article on Dr. Alia Liu's blog on the Women's Health melbourne website
0: yeah we call it mthfr wtf rightfully so
1: we've also got past episodes if you're interested in what we've been talking about today like we mentioned the episode about genetic screening and all sorts of things relating to women's health and
0: fertility by subscribing to our podcast and giving us a good review it helps others to find us and we really appreciate it our mission is to empower women seeking real honest and accurate fertility advice we appreciate your help
1: you can follow us on social media at Women's Health Melbourne and at Dr Raylea
0: We'll be back soon with another episode.